most painful thing. Welcome to episode 91 of What Most People Think. How how are you, man? Did you watch it? Did you watch Second Comings? I mean, I haven't checked the tabloid presses, but I'm pretty sure everyone must have gone with that title. I'm going with that title for this episode. And there we have it. We have it. It's the most 2021 reaction to Dominic Cummings. We are going to take, as a gold democratic standard, the stuff one man said about stuff other people said. That, that's, that's how a functioning democracy should work, isn't it? While a pandemic is still happening, we get some jilted lover uh, on the stand who says a bunch of stuff and we all we all follow it whole. We swallow it whole. Um, what was weird, we will get onto this, obviously this will be a big part of today's show. And part of the reason this is a solo show, because there's a lot of politics here. What if you've just, I've uh, got a lot of new followers recently. This is, this is a good episode to join because... You know, a lot of the, the patrons think this is the purest version of the show. It's just me wanging on, and I'll be wanging on about the Cummings thing. But we will get to that. I just want to say that it is very strange to have people that have been saying for several years that Dominic Cummings is the inveterate liar antichrist, suddenly with their mouths wide open and him just spoon-feeding shit straight directly into their faces. It's been quite a grift, equally. I mean, people that were giving it the old classic Dom who've now decided that he can't be trusted. So I think it's quite an interesting thing, us all moving over the other side. You know, it's a bit like, I don't know if you've ever been to a non-league game where at half-time, because there isn't that much crowd trouble, everyone goes down the other end. You say, oh, you're right. <laughs> you see the Cummins fans going one way, you know, you see the Remainers going the other way. People that moaned about numbers on the side of a bus are now fully swallowing Dominic's numbers in a select committee meeting, but we're going to get to that. I just want to say with the weather, I know that I'm, I'm recording this Thursday morning, but the weather, I'm starting to think that maybe God wants me to go abroad. Because, you know, like Noah, he took a sign from the skies and it has been pissing down for ages. So I'm really sorry, uh, Greta. I'm really sorry, Greta. I think that the Lord God and Jesus in heaven want me to get on a giant carbon emitting plane and fuck off to Ibiza. I, I feel that's my truth. You've got your truth. Let's move on to new patrons. We've got two new VIP patrons, and the VIP patrons get a shout-out at the very top of the show. Matt Gillespie. Matt Gillespie sounds sporty. Matt Gillespie, son of... What's the cricketer? Keith Gillespie? Jason Gillespie. That was it. Dizzy Gillespie. Do you remember that tour? Yeah, this is very early for a cricket reference. Remember that tour, though? A good bowler got absolutely fucking taken apart, didn't he? We, uh, there's nothing English cricket fans like more than to take a very good fast bowler and bit by bit sort of dismantle their personality. We did it with uh, Mitchell, Mitchell Johnson. Of course, Mitchell Johnson had that comeback into God, Jeff. If you've got new listeners, this is a good way of losing them, isn't it? Doing a bit of cricket chat right at the top. But suffice to say, Mitchell Johnson did have his comeback in 2013, was it? But people forget that when he came back in 2015, we got, we got into his head again at Edgbaston. And that, that is really, you know, for somebody that's a proponent of mental health, I probably shouldn't be saying that I enjoyed watching him capitulate. But I did. I did. Uh, shout out also to Kazik Layton, who's doing a charity run and got in touch with me. I don't know where you'll be in your, in your charity run now. Have you done that thing of that? The only reason I could see a charity run being worth it is that you get to drink and then throw it over your shoulder. That, that looks pretty cool. And then when you get over the finishing line, they put those weird silver fucking things around you. Um, but go on, Kazik. Stick with it, mate. Stick with it. Don't do that. Don't do that walking thing. You know what the thing I love in London Marathon is when people are evidently starting to do the walking thing, and then they notice that the camera's live. 
they see John Inverdale and they just do a little trot. <laughs> one for the cameras uh, uh, shout out a belated shout out to Andrew Booth I said you know if you have if you don't feel that you've had your shout outs get in touch and let me know uh, Andrew Booth, Booth was very English about it he got in touch and said well you know I, I, I haven't had my shout out and uh, I don't necessarily need it it would be nice to have had it and it really is up to you uh, on, on that note actually I know I spoke about the film Peter Rabbit 2 and I hope you've taken your kids to see it there because we want cinemas to survive it did occur to me with films like that that there are only two accents in uh, kids films based in England because we had a few now haven't we, we had Paddington and all that uh, well we've had Paddington and, but they're either you know the most cut glass English you know Paddington Paddington, you really do need to stop it, Paddington. Or they're Cockneys. There really isn't anything else in between, is there? You're either a Cockney. Oi, Paddington, do you fancy doing some bad stuff before ultimately realising the error of your ways? Paddington, is that you? Is that you? No one still speaks like this in England. But in Hollywood, that's how we all speak. Um, Cuss count from last week. Cuss count... Uh, 0.41 a minute but by the way the Matt Ford episode so much good feedback from that if you haven't heard it I would say that just for his views on Scottish independence alone it is it is worth listening to and I had a couple of feedback from people who listened to the show that are more SNP that are again saying you know the we English down here you racists mm? you English down there mm? that we still don't fully get it but I, I, I would argue that Matt makes a, a passionate and compelling case and a positive case for the union uh, I swore at a rate of one of 0.41 a minute, but I did use the word shitting as an objective. As ever, thank you for the data for uh, David Domain here. Uh, David Domain also said that he was glad to hear that I pushed back on the idea of Brexiteers being fond and in love with the idea of, of empire. And he makes a very good point that, you know, in the, in the immediate aftermath of the empire, you know, as countries were gaining independence, there were electorates that that successively voted. You know, they voted to join the EEC. They voted for governments that were dismantling the empire. So there were a lot of myths in and around Brexit voters. Uh, what's coming up? We're going to be speaking about, obviously, the Dominic Cummings testimony in the Select Committee, and then something a bit more lighthearted. We'll be talking about the Friends reunion, which, as I record this, is, is on tonight. Bow, 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 bow. I mean, <laughs> we'll get on to this. I was thinking they should—they missed the trick. They should definitely have done a middle-aged version of Friends, man. A middle-aged... Because you know that lyric, No one told you life was going to be this way. At the point, like, we saw the Friends. They were having pretty good lives, do you know what I mean? They were young, they had plump skin, they were banging away for fun. I think that no one told you life was going to be this way is way more apt when you're in middle age. You know, your prostate's broken, it's not going to be okay. You always hurt when you get up in the morning. You're 23% ibuprofen. <laughs> um... Thank you. A quick thank you and a fuck you. Um, thank you to Sunday people. Sunday brunch. I really enjoyed going on that show. Obviously, I get booked in a largely political context, and it was fun to just chat shit. You know, obviously, we spoke about the book uh, in, in in the interview. To, uh, Tim Lovejoy and Simon Rimmer were very nice, man. Very accommodating. Said nice things about the book, and they know telly, man. They know telly they come up with this thing like it's a panel show about biscuits and as much as the british public want to talk about politics and argue about brexit lockdowns covid dominic cummings what what we really also want to do is argue about the silly stuff and they you in in you I'd, I'd suggest anybody to watch it but i think it's the king of the tin that's it king of the tin you pick first up you pick your worst biscuit right and I went for a controversial choice. By the way, I was on with Jason Donovan and Johanna Conto, who are both really lovely. And I know people often say about 
celebrity. It was just so surreal being there with Jason Donovan. And that's sort of like a modest way of saying, hey, everybody, I was hanging out with Jason Donovan. But it was slightly odd when at one point I was giving an answer to something and they'd given him a little pad to do some etchings and he was just sort of gently etching away to the right of me. For some reason, that was genuinely quite surreal. But they made their choices for the for the tin. I... I put in there crumb dungeon, like my worst biscuit was custard cream. Now, maybe it's not the worst biscuit, but I feel like custard cream gets an easy ride here. Uh, it is one because it's an alliteration, custard cream. People like saying it. Hey, custard creams, man, custard creams. You know, my friend Matt Marnie on the show, Matt Marnie. I think that alliterations are a powerful and positive thing, but I think that custard creams have been dining out on that a little bit, maybe. And also, they don't taste custard and they don't taste the cream. So I was very, very happy to finally get that off my chest. And then I picked the Garibaldi. Garibaldi, completely underrated biscuit. I mean, it was the first time it had ever been picked as well. So, you know, your boy Jeff just doing the contrarian thing, never following the herd, you know, immunity. Picked a biscuit that does sound admittedly like a sort of 17th century impressionist artist. You know, this is an original Garibaldi. But it's got, it's got raisins in and it's got a slightly chewy texture. And when you get it in the packet, you can sort of tear off as much as you want. It's got suggestions. There's little lines in it. Okay, you might call this a biscuit, but I, like, I kind of like the the freedom. It's almost like in pizzas. You know when they sort of loosely cut it, but they kind of go, it's sort of up to you, man. You know, they're the tear and share, the original tear and share uh, of the biscuit world. And uh, that seemed to get a bit of debate going, look, if you want to debate it with me now, what most people think, uk at gmail.com. And I got a load of uh, new followers uh, on both Instagram, I should always remind people that I do Instagram, badly, it must be said, but if you want to see a middle-aged man struggling with what he sees to be a new social media format, but is actually quite well established, uh, follow me on Instagram. And then also the YouTube channel, which I will be getting, I've got a bunch of new subscribers there, I will be getting new content up on there, hopefully soon, exclusive um, stand-up content. So just quick, a uh, quick fuck you before we get onto the political stuff. Booking ahead, we're going away, me and the missus uh, and the family, this coming weekend, right? And I just thought, oh, you know, you know, like when you want to think your way to your little break, part of the way of doing that is booking stuff. I'll just sit and book some restaurants, have a little drink on the go. This will be nice. That turned into a fucking nightmare because everyone's booked. Everyone's smarter than me. They're booking ahead. And I was like, what's, what's supposed to be a bit of fun? It ended up being like Minority Report. I had three or four different screens on the go. I was having a ring restaurants offering bribes just to get a fucking 5pm sit-in at the local harvester. And this is what happens, doesn't it? When you've uh, reduced capacity within restaurants and when you've got lots more people doing staycations, I'll just say to you, I just say, there's a lot of smart pricks out there that have booked this stuff. I mean, look, maybe I'm one of the smart pricks. You know, it may be I'm booking ahead. Maybe there's some people that are going to try and book in three days' time and there'll be nothing. But a little tip to you from the, what, the team here of what most people think, he says, sitting on his own. Uh, surrounded by cardboard boxes in his house is is book ahead okay be one of the pricks okay let's get into the political stuff and the first thing we're discussing is the select committee appearance of mr dominic cummings okay so let's get a couple of bit of uh, bits of housekeeping out of the way here his shirt, Dominic Cummings' shirt, was uh, that was too low, man. It was too unbuttoned. I don't really know what the plan was there. I don't. This guy does not make good fashion choices. You see him trying to rock a beanie hat. Do you know what I mean? Like he's fucking Enrique Iglesias, trying to wear those little kind of uh, Roberto Martinez 
uh, scarves. It hasn't really worked out for him. And now he's gone for a shirt that was way too unbuttoned. Um, I, I don't know what the plan was there. Maybe if it was going curly, he was going to try and distract Rosie Duffield with a little bit of uh, hairy pigeon chest. <laughs> a bit of hairy pigeon chest cleavage there. You know how ladies go crazy for that. A man with his build. Um, and, you know, it was interesting. I was looking ahead to it and I saw people on Twitter getting excited. And I thought, let's, let's just bear in mind here that whatever he says is going to be said in the most monosyllabic way. Sort of like a county cricketer batting out for a draw. But it turns out, it turns out I was slightly wrong there. In that what he was saying was so explosive that it didn't really matter that he was saying it in a sort of boring, I want to fucking ramp, bash my head against a brick wall vibe. No, his forward defensives were going for six because he he unloaded. He unloaded, and we always expected him to unload it. This had had more trails than the Friends reunion, you know? And he started off, he started off very smart by being contrite within himself, you know? And this surprised everybody on Twitter. Certainly the Remain left, left, lefty, liberal left, you know, I'm just going to throw as many, avocado eating, fucking hummus munching. But they, they were just so surprised. Like, well, wow, you, can't you see exactly what he's doing here? He's trying to make himself... Low status, right? Because he knows one of the criticisms of him is that he has seen himself as a, as a puppet master, some kind of grand wizard in control of everything. So what he's done, he's immediately reduced his status so he creates a platform where previous enemies are going to listen to what he says. But they're like, this is, I haven't seen this Dominic Cummings before. He's hoodwinking you again. He always hoodwinks you. He's Jerry and you're Tom perennially, right? This guy's always going to get one over you because he is smart. That's the thing. He's not intellectual. He's not deeply intelligent. He's just smart, right? So he starts off, uh, there's the government. The first idea that he suggests is the government were caught with their pants down a bit early last year. And I think straight away, yeah, I'll buy that. I think we all, you know, <laughs> I don't think even the most Toryist of Tories would suggest. Oh, by the way, I had some geezer on uh, my Facebook page saying, I'm unfollowing you. Uh, you've been criticising the Conservatives recently, so I'm unfollowing you uh, for a supposedly contrarian comedian. Look, I'm going to say what, what the fuck I think, man. And if, you know, when I, I, I took great delight in slamming the Labour Party after the local elections. But equally, I do not like Matt Hancock. I've made no secret of fact that I dislike Matt Hancock. Basically, he said it in response to a joke I did where I said, I suspect the next time Matt Hancock cries on telly, the tears will be genuine. <laughs> and it got loads of traction because it's a funny joke. And the thing about Matt Hancock, you've got to understand, is this man, he unites the streams. He's kind of like the American woman making tea in the microwave. There are a lot of people both within and, you know, within the right and the left, and also the anti-lockdown brigade that don't like Matt Hancock, me included. So I'm always, if, if I can think of a funny joke, look, the worst thing for me, if there was a criticism of left-wing comedy over the last few years, is that they've been too scared to criticise their own side. So trust me when I say I am not going to go down that same route. So just getting back to the point was that, yeah, the government were had their pants down a bit. And you think, yeah, I mean, it seemed that way. They, they'd also jettisoned a lot of the big beasts, you know, experienced politicians, because they wanted to have a new platform of young, compliant uh, underlings, you know, young fucking Tory pad ones. And so they got rid of people like Nicky Morgan, uh, Penny Morgan, um, Penny Morden. I don't know about you, it always sounds like a, a sort of Victorian cycle. And that is not a sexy, I don't mean like like that. I just mean like a Penny, well, Penny Farvin, Jeff. Yeah, that's obviously what you're getting at, Jeff. It's not that much of a, a reach. Or, or, or it sounds like some really twee, uh, improv act at the Edinburgh Fringe. Oh yeah, no, no, we went to see the Penny Mordants. They were fucking great. So they they went into this with a very inexperienced group of politicians. You know, you're not going to tell me that Helen Whateley 
with a kind of uh, sort of newborn foal vibe is going to be better than Nicky Morgan in terms of communications and just being across shit, okay? And tell me that Jenrick, Robert Jenrick, I still can't get it out of my head that he's an R&B star. Jenrick featuring Dua Lipa, the new single from Jenrick and Missy Elliott. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I just don't think that they were as good. But that, that was, you know, they wanted to do that because they wanted, like, a pliable team around them to get Brexit done. Admittedly, you know, Sav- Javid went and uh, Sunak came in, and maybe Sunak was the only real success of that. But, yeah, so I will take that, that the government will caught their pants down a bit. Then there's the argument about whether this country was too slow to lock down. Well, whether we were or we weren't, the the argument comes down to what Sage was saying. At this point, OK... Sage, scientific advisory geezers of expertise, right, which is what I think they're called, they felt that we should hold back, okay? They felt, and I agreed with them at the time, I, I, we, a lot of us misread the British public. We're like, the British public will only knock down for so long. If we do it too soon, it won't hold. People aren't going to tolerate this in this hotbed of civil liberties that is Britain. Of course, latterly, we found out people don't really give a massive toss about their own civil liberties. A lot of people, as long as they could get Deliveroo and Netflix, actually, there were a disturbing amount of the British public that seemed quite happy to be locked down uh, in perpetuity. So it was strange because one of the criticisms of, remember Boris the Butcher at the time, was that the reason that he was pursuing herd immunity, it turns out he wasn't, was this kind of eugenics idea where he wanted to cull loads of uh, grandparents, you know? And I and and, and it's uh, this is one, one of the reasons that um, a proper inquiry will be a good thing, because we will have a holistic view of all these agencies and their impacts. Right now, this was a very political select committee meeting with one guy that had things to say, but also had an, had an axe to grind. And I don't find it odd when you get Angela Rayner, the deputy leader of the opposition, saying that she wants an inquiry to start immediately. To start immediately. Are you serious? I mean, this is how little the Labour Party have got to say about anything. They're like, fuck, that'll be handy. Yeah, let's get them. That'll take the pressure off us if we're getting government ministers every day in and out in front of select committee meetings. That'll take the heat off. I'm sure that would be convenient. But the fact is, the pandemic is still happening. And a lot of the people who are from the side of the argument of like, it's not over yet, there's going to be more variants, they also seem to be the same people that want to distract government time, money and attention what, before the thing is apparently done. I just think, that's, that's mad. It's like, it's like doing the uh, post-match interviews at half-time, which is a gag I nicked off somebody's reply on Twitter. But it's a good gag, right? And the real, the real full guy today was, of course, was Matt Hancock, as we mentioned. I mean, Cummins said that he would have fired him 15 to 20 times. I mean, you know, technical point, you can only really do it once. But um, I, I might have slapped him that often, you know, just for his, his kind of... Do you remember at the time he was saying, look, we want you to have a Christmas, like he owned Christmas. I still haven't got over that. But did, did Matt Hancock get distracted by his relationship with the media? You know, he certainly seemed to be becoming a bit obsessive about that. He seemed to have a bit of a... Messiah complex. And yeah, the 100,000 testing target, which came principally for him, was that a distraction? But then you get the other side of the argument, which is this is Dominic Cummins. He's talking about a bold statistical claim as being frivolous when he was also one of the architects of the 325 million on the side of a bus. And this is one of the problems that Cummins faced throughout was, is the person whose integrity has been questioned and who refused to turn up to a select committee meeting on fake news and testify, is he now 
a paragon of truth. The other thing that came up was this claim by Matt Hancock's that he, we, we threw a protective ring about the round care homes. We threw a protective ring around all her care homes. It started to feel, I remember at the time, like one of those incantations you normally get from the left, you know, or now when you get from the kind of lockdown zealots of no one's safe till everyone's safe. Just one of those things that you say, because it feels nice saying, but there's absolutely no factual sort of undercarriage here. You know, did we throw a protective ring about care homes? Certainly doesn't feel like we did, given the absolute cost of fuck that occurred within them. If it was a protective ring, it was like someone was drowning in a river and we threw him a giant donut. There you go, no way that'll go soggy. But, but what seemed to happen after that was, you know, when that lockdown ended, was the government was shocked by the extent of the hit that we took to our economy, certainly in comparison to, to other similar economies, and they were keen to get things back open, right? And at the moment, one of the problems is, is in talking about this now, or having something that looks or sounds like an inquiry, is we don't have any context to lockdowns and their effects, right? It all currently still seems like a zero-sum game. Why didn't you just lock down more? Quicker, harder, faster. It's sort of like, you know, a lot of people's relationship with lockdowns is like a teenage lad having sex for the first time. Quicker, harder, faster. Do it more often. I'm ready for another one. But there are, there are collateral effects to these things, and that's one of the benefits of the inquiry happening next year because we will actually see some of those things. People just think it's just a miracle cure, you know, it's like taking two paracetamol. Just, uh, just have another lockdown, okay? There are effects to these things. And the government, is not, there's nothing wrong with the government wanting to um, wanting to get the economy open, right? Once they started to see the potential effects, the huge job losses, and eat out to help out was raised. And you notice how, how coming throughout this whole thing left Rishi well alone. It's interesting, wasn't it? Almost like Rishi Sunak was the only viable option within... We've been government for a future prime minister. Maybe he wanted a little comeback. Either that he was, or he was intimidated by Rishi's excellent use of fonts. You know, that man has got some seriously good branding. It would be hilarious, wouldn't it? If he bought... If, if Sunak became prime minister, one, it would be hilarious because it would really piss on the left's chips, wouldn't it? Racist. Oh, uh, hello. It just uh, seemed to have uh, provided Britain with its first uh, Asian prime minister. Stick that with the two female ones. You're still, you're still picking white geezers from the same postcode in fucking Primrose Hill. <laughs> but, you know, we ended up having a four-week one in November. Just a cheeky, just a cheeky little four-week jobby. Um, yeah, I mean, that was, that was poorly handled, I think. And then around that time, of course, Boris didn't get his way and eventually we did lock down. Then we come to the issue of what was said. Because that's all the modern audience really care about. Did he say bad stuff? That is what the modern left seem to obsess about more than anything else. I think, you know, what most people think is that at work, in extreme circumstances and under pressure, yeah, people say really stupid stuff. And I would, I would argue that that thing about, well, only 80-year-olds die from it, doesn't sound very nice on paper being repeated. I, ha I heard that from so many different people at that time. That discussion has had lots of times, including, by the way, from 80-year-olds. <laughs> okay, so I don't think that that is quite the smoking gun that some people think in terms of Boris's credibility. The let the bodies pile high comment, which Cummins seemed to corroborate, again, you know, this is still allegedly, but he seemed to corroborate it, is it was in the context that Boris hadn't got his way over the lockdown. And he said, let the bodies bow high. Yeah, I mean, look, that was not a good thing to say. That is not, 
but you know, as I said, I don't feel any great need to defend Boris Johnson. It was, as they say in the commentary, priced in, you know, to 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 Boris Johnson that sometimes he says bad stuff, right? He's that's, that's part of what a lot of people like about him. And I would rather focus on what he did. I'd rather focus on the fact that he was ridiculously bullish about avoiding a second lockdown and was made to climb down. And did he go into that second lockdown too late? Fuck the things that he said. I mean, if you, right, if you went into any comedy green room, and even a comedy green room that had fully left-wing comics in, within five minutes we'd have all said stuff to have get us cancelled, right? This is true throughout comedy across the circuit, just just think of, like, if every single day there was an official record of... Uh, mind you, a lot of you are probably working in places now where that is true. go, actually, Jeff, I work in a really left-wing university. That is what happens. You know what I mean? We all wear little sound and mic packs now like they used to in Big Brother. So what this boils down to, ultimately, is how how seriously we take a jilted man's testimony. Now, I believe that... I believe that Cummins believed that most of what he said was true. I do think that he thought that. But I think he's also seeing that through the eyes of someone portrayed to be a puppet master who wanted to be a puppet master, but who ended up without a puppet. Mm, Guys, see where I brought that round there? Repetition, rhetorical. (laughs) He's basically sort of like Geppetto from from, uh, Pinocchio, isn't he? He thinks that he built it and then old Boris... Boris Pinocchio went off. Boris, he told a few lies, didn't he? His nose got a bit bigger. Poor old Geppetto was still left at the workshop and he had his moment in the sun and by God did he make it count. So yes, it's relevant, of course, but, you know, the inquiry starts next year. We live in this era of presentism where we want conclusions, we want outcomes for things as they happen, but it just it just isn't the right time. And I think anybody calling for... For an inquiry, while the pandemic is still officially happening globally, is not just opportunistic, but frankly irresponsible. And yet, <laughs> see, this is the point, isn't it? A lot of people say, oh, Jeff, you, you, you start to be biased against the Tories. I've just ended a whole piece on Dominic Cummings and the management of the pandemic <laughs> by basically turning it around on the people that want an inquiry. Yeah, fuck you. You're the real villains here. Okay, so there it is. Do you, do you think I called that right as what most people think about the Cummins testimony? Email in at whatmostpeoplethinkuk at gmail.com. Uh, just to hype a couple of things, just going to say hello to a couple, few £5 Patreons. Wayne Brands. Wayne Brands. What are you like, Darren Lambo or Wayne Lineker? Is that, is that a branded name, Wayne Brands? Like Your name just used to be Smith, but now you do like promo for new... Alka Pops. Alka Pops, Jeff? Does anyone even, do they even exist? Does Hooch still exist? Jesus Christ. They talk about sugar and stuff now. Fuck me. Do you remember drinking Alka Pops for the first times in Hooch? Going, it doesn't even taste like alcohol. <laughs> Never even occurred to us how much sugar it must have for that to be the case. Uh, Andrew H there. Andrew H. That's either like, either he's, you know, living a double life, Andrew H. He's one of our friends who's embedded within a left-wing community, just secretly with his earbuds in. Listen to this gang. Ha ha ha, wokies. I am. Even though he's actually been forced to the point where he can't admit his own name and he has to listen to things in private, he's secretly winning. Uh, Andrew H., thank you for your patronage. And Paul Stewart. I don't know if it's Paul Stewart, the former Manchester City and Spurs striker. 
He's, uh, oh yeah, he always seemed like a bit of a centre-right guy for me. Took a remove at the right time for the money. Welcome. There are, once you join Patreon, there's loads of old uh, content on there. There's my full, oh, there's the set of something that I've put on there that I probably shouldn't have. But you, if you scroll back, you'll see that. There's my full lockdown set from last year at Comedy Unleashed. There's now 10 Patreon-only episodes, articles, all sorts of shit. So All sorts of shit. I'm not good at marketing, am I? Speaking of marketing, uh, the book. Thank you for everyone buying it. Uh, thank you for everyone reviewing it. There was a massive surge after uh, the appearance on Sunday brunch. Uh, the reviews, as I say, they help, man. Like they are, they're looking good. And uh, you know, if you've re- if you've reviewed it in one place, you can always go and leave an Amazon review as well. I don't want I don't want them for free. If you haven't read it or you didn't like it, you know, just keep that to your fucking self. But um, but if you did, there's, there's no reason. You know, it's a legitimate review. If you say. Uh, that you liked it, but I really appreciate the people that have take, you know, took the time to do that. It really matters. Do you know what I mean? It really matters when people go to buy something and they see that other people have enjoyed it, and and people have been very fair with me from both, you know, especially you know, right wing people. You you know, you more expect that, but there's a lot of left wing people that seem to want to get out there and understand why the Labour Party are in the position that they're in. Um, tour tickets I had a real surge on these, um, so do get booking, particularly for certain venues. The third London date is pretty much sold out now. Reading, I think there's like three tickets left. Then there's the, the bigger room, like Milton Keynes, Leeds City Varieties, the Birmingham, the old Rep Theatre. We're going there, we're going Shrewsbury's getting close to selling out. I'm going to be in Barnstable. I'm going to be in Northampton. I'm going to be in Nottingham. I'm going to be in Nottingham at the Glee Club. I'm going to be at Bristol at the old Tobacco Theatre. I'm pretty sure it's not that. It must be the tobacco docks. But I'm going to be all over uh, the country, so do buy the tour tickets. I cannot wait. I've been trying out. I've been trying out new material at the club. By the way, if you if you see me listed for anywhere before September, that is not a tour date. That's going to be a club date. That's going to be trying stuff out. There are a couple of sort of tour preview type things in, but those will be listed as such. But I think I've got my best show coming up, man. Not only that, my stuff about pronouns may well be the best pronoun based humour. That we've seen so far. I know it's a pretty big claim. There's a lot of it out there. But oh my God. I know I'm supposed to be hyping stuff at the moment. Did you see Demi Lovato? Demi Lovato. The singer. Right. Ariana Grande. Demi Lovato. They, you know. They <laughs> they sound like they come from the same species of, of, of name. But she's the latest one to come out and go from uh, her pronouns are they. I just think how much fucking time have you got in your hands where... Um, you know, you can just sit there and go to your team. I, I think I'm a they. Guys, can we can we get it out there that I'm a they? Imagine being paid to work with one of these narcissistic people that thinks that the, the planet should give a fuck about that. Uh, uh, okay, Demi, yeah. So you're, you're a they now. You And you want to do interviews about the fact that you're a they. Okay. Yeah, we can, uh, we can make this work. This is in no way self-absorbed and pretty much irrelevant in a pandemic. You're a they. Demi Lovato is a they. She also said, she also said that um, she thinks that praising people for losing weight is, is toxic. <laughs> Just think, these people are out of their fucking minds, aren't they? It is better for the human body if you're not overweight. So if someone is big and they lose weight, that's good, right? Like it's like if you learn a language, that's good. Yeah, or if you if you're training and you, if you, you've beaten your personal best, there's some things that are undeniably fucking good and if we're in a situation where we can't say that things are good or good then i think that we're going down a very very bad path here and would it not be right given that this this kind of like 
view, you know, this kind of ultra-progressive, woke, whatever you want to call it, are often against gaslighting, which is giving people a false impression of reality. If someone has lost loads of weight and no one mentions it, isn't that just like another form of gaslighting? <laughs> it's just like, that's, that's, that's the cycle, isn't it? That's the cycle of, of losing weight. It's like, oh, you've done a bit of weight. You're like, yeah, you know, yeah. people always have the same reaction, don't they? No one ever, no one ever, I mean, maybe it's a very British thing. Maybe her problem is because Americans are a bit too cocky about, hey, you're damn right I lost weight. Uh, whereas we're just kind of like, yeah, you know, just been doing a bit of work in the garden. <laughs> we never just go, yeah, yeah, I fucking did as well. Yeah, maybe you should too. Okay, so we did quite a heavy political bit there. I want to talk about the Friends reunion thing that came out. I think it's out tonight as I record this. And, you know, there's some stuff that's leaked into the press about it. And I, I don't really know. I don't really know what the point of the Friends reunion was. I think you know, given the given the ongoing liberal revisionism around old episodes, maybe it's just another bit of content for us to look back on in twenty years and say that that was problematic too. You know, <laughs> you know, we always look back and say stuff from Friends in the past. Although I'm not I'm not sure that that's okay now. Maybe we'll look back on this in twenty years ago. I'm not sure that that reunion was okay. I'm not sure the way that they spoke about stuff that wasn't okay was okay. I'm not sure they really addressed the whole issue of Gunther's neurodiversity. I'm glad, you know, it does seem that the stars haven't been too apologetic about some of those themes uh, from the past. Because, you know, like there's, there were issues of uh, trans representation, uh, Fat Monica, as we mentioned earlier, you know, you just can't talk about... what It's fine. It's okay to be clinically obese. That's... Body positivity, right? <laughs> I don't think your body feels very fucking positive about it. But, you know, there is a problem in that, that Friends is still on terrestrial channels. You know, some of the old shows that they've apologised for, you know, they had occasional runs or they were... Of, you know, Tina Fey from 30 Rock, she did blackface four times, <laughs> by the way. They always talk about right-wing comics. Oh, well, if it's a right-wing comics, it's just going to be like Jim Davidson or Roy Chubby Brown. Fuck it, have a look at the list of people that have done blackface, right? And you tell me if any of them have ever voted Conservative. But, but that was different because the show was principally available in a sort of on-demand setting. But now, this show still goes out on terrestrial, on proper telly. This show, you know, it, it comes in that little sweet spot between thinking, oh, I don't really want to watch the news yet, but these new quiz show formats are doing my head in. I watch some friends, you know. I'll do, you know, I'll, it's like slipping on an old pair of slippers, but probably an old pair of slippers that a lot of people blogging or on Twitter would think is uh, problematic. And if they were too apologetic, they would be implicating, you know, the current broadcasters and millions of people who still tune in. And and I think uh, I often think it's, it's a difficult one for the cast, isn't it? Because the show is still on, they're still earning shit loads of money from it. You think, well, all right. If you're not comfortable with that, what hit are you going to take? Do you still get, do you still get the same repeat fees for episodes with Fat Monica in? <laughs> so I think that you know, I'm glad that they seem to have kept the the tone of the show right. And I think that the whole, hopefully, it puts to bed the whole era of revisionism with Friends because we don't, when it comes to something as frivolous as comedy, right? We don't need apologies for the past or trigger warnings in the present. We know that probably they wouldn't write some of those jokes in 2021. But we also know that the joke is quite clearly from a different time. You know, even the glossy, saturated look of it. I mean, Ra Rachel's hair alone, where, where what her hair is, is like essentially like rings on a fucking tree stump for you to work out which bit of the 90s slash early noughties it was. I mean, the, look, if the, here's a rule. If the opening shot 
of New York contains two very famous buildings that aren't there anymore. Maybe stop judging it by today's standards, you know? And uh, However, on that note, I would say that the storyline where Phoebe had her brother's triplets was fucking weird. I mean, it was weird back then. And I was saying, you know, I said said in the intro, I think that... uh, I think maybe they've missed a trick here. I, I... I think that they should have done a new series, but like with a completely different vibe to it. You know, new 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 song as we've already discussed. You know, no one told you life was gonna be this exhausting. You've got family in the care homes all day. <laughs> the social care it is killing you. You know, Chandler. I reckon Chandler would have had a podcast, wouldn't he? And he he would have been like, because his jokes would have slowly gone out of fashion. And he would uh, he would just have a podcast where he's just bitching about the fact he can't say anything anymore, or, or wear really bad, loose fitting, double breasted, pastel coloured suits. You know, <laughs> I think Joey Joey on Tinder, Joey Tribbiani on Tinder would have been interesting, wouldn't it? A bit bit tragic. And I think the question we all want to know about Joey is what would happen to him during the Me Too years. Joe, I would love to have a new series that basically Joey is like working. Do you know what I mean? He's just he's a truck driver or something because he got booted out because he basically fucked everybody on the daytime soap circuit and Ross as well. Would, would Ross have just kept marrying women? That would have been interesting, wouldn't it? Like some sort of like beta male bluebeard just stocking up marriages. I, I would like to have seen it. I think I, I know that people said it would have trashed the reputation of the old show, but I think it could have been a really interesting uh, work of art if they'd have got to grips with what happened to these people, once all the, the perkiness and, you know, oh, my life, my love life's DOA, you know, just because just they're getting dumped and sleeping around, thinking that that is the real difficult bit of life. I would like to have, have known them once they've realised that, you know, genuinely worrying about the weather because of arthritis. I'd like to have seen how they dealt with that, you know, or as somebody on Twitter said, uh, the one where everything hurts, <laughs> you know. But uh, I'm, I'm glad that they didn't make too many apologies to cast face because ultimately they wrote, they was written for them. They appeared on it a long time ago. I don't, you know, I wouldn't have liked to have seen Chandler going. Huh, could I be any more of a trans ally? But it's a going concern. It's it's, it's unique. It's a going concern on terrestrial channels, and I think that, that what that suggests is that young generations are still discovering the show, which uh, suggests that contrary, you know, to the more sort of like recriminatory voices online the most important element needed to enjoy a joke is still intact which is of course context okay we've got a letter here asking for a bit of advice this is i don't know whose name this is sorry uh my wife is from iran and she moved to the uk last month don't know if you know this or not but iranians fucking love stand-up comedy i did not know that instagram is filled with persian subbed clips of comics. There you go. Have, have I made it onto the Iranian circuit? <laughs> they might like some of the stuff I say about women. There you go. There's a national stereotype for you. Uh, I wanted to take her this weekend to experience her first comedy club. Since you're too... I mean, like, yeah, I would imagine the stand-up comedy club circuit is massive in Iran. I, less so even in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Saudi Arabia they're probably still doing the old jokes about women's driving aren't they or, or, or the fact that you know, women they're not allowed to drive everybody cracks up laughing uh, since you're too big for us peasants now what do you think would be the first experience of a comedy club well I, well, I'm not I'm, I'm doing clubs to work up 
the material. I was thinking the Thursday or Friday Late Show at Top Secret, but didn't want to risk some rich London lassie lecturing us on feminism and patriarchy while my wife is enjoying her first month without a mandatory hijab. What a great line that is. Maybe you should be doing stand-up. Yeah, yeah, that'd be the funniest thing. Yeah, this country is just so full of toxic patriarchy. <laughs> You're to a woman that's actually seen people getting lashings in the fucking town square. Maybe Iran's a bit more progressive than that, Jeff. I don't know. Getting stoned. I don't know. Um, Top Secret is a great club. I mean, they will be slightly, probably a bit younger. You know, but they've got loads of comics there, like Nico Yearwood, friend to, the, to this show. He does a lot of comedy there. He's um, pretty balanced uh, in his output. The Comedy Store, I don't think the Comedy Store opens to to July. I think I think Top Secret uh, is a great shout. The main warning I'd have for you, Top Secret, is, is how old you're going to feel, okay? Because you're going to go down there and you're going to feel basically... Like, so I don't know how old you are, but I'm guessing you're a bit older than them. You're going to feel like you've sort of gate crashed a night at a student union. Okay, we've got a letter here. This is, uh, this is from somebody who enjoyed the book. This is from Andy. And uh, thank you, by the way. The feedback about the book, people enjoying it. I mean, maybe it's a massive ego wank for me, but I do get up every morning and just do a little power wank just reading <laughs> the nice things that you've said. Uh, this is so Andy says one section from the book that seemed familiar with me is the part about how your stepdad talk you, taught you about making workers a drink right so this is when you have tradesmen or stuff in the house is that you make them tea or, or cold drinks and how people with money seem to forget that yeah so my stepdad he just said like almost the richer the people were the less chance there was of them just making you a cup of tea so Andy goes on to say when, when I was at uni I worked as a carpet fitter mainly in Islington Hampstead or Highgate wow Jesus Christ, you must have you must have fitted carpets for the young Corbin, Miliband and Starmer. Oh, it was amazing how often a household that had the Guardian line around would never offer you a drink, no matter if you were there all day. It's because, of course, you know, they care about the working classes, but the uh, straight white male working classes, that's a different category. They've obviously massively privileged and they can make their own fucking tea. Uh, but that is nothing compared to the two worst houses, both Guardian households, and one of which had socialist posters on the wall. One of these places actually did make tea, but then served us into polystyrene cups, because as the lady said, we know that's how you like to drink it. <laughs> Come on. She said that. Jesus Christ. Did she put like 18 sugars in as well? I know what you guys are like. Hmm? I know what you guys are like. Yeah, yeah. Still, oh yeah. There's a place down the road that uh, sells pot noodles, because I know what you guys are like. Um, should we do the conga? Hey, we want to do a bit of oops up? Yeah, a bit of oops up on your lunch break. Um, and then the other, and this is truly shocking, the other person very kindly arranged for us to use the toilets in the local pub rather than their own. No wonder I ended up a Tory councillor. Well, yeah, that is, you know, that is the irony of a certain kind of person. And this is partly why the book's out there. It's not just to berate the left, but it's a little bit of, just, just so you know, this is how people like me see people like you. Okay, that is pretty much the end of the show. Thank you for listening. If you're new to the show, um, subscribe. A lot of you don't subscribe. You seem to wake for my weekly tweet with the links on. Do subscribe. It helps it uh, up the lists. Oh, by the way, we've got a few new patrons there, a couple more patrons. Keith Carter. Just sounds scouse, doesn't it? Keith Carter and Phil Moore. Keith Carter and Phil Moore, they sound like those old school kind of gangsters. You know the ones that ended up on the Costa Brava? Okay, reviews for the podcast. Um, 
So well, someone's left a review here and they've criticised a guest. Obviously, look, I hear you. You know, I understand that some people would be more divisive than others, but I'm, if someone's come on my podcast for free, I'm not really going to read out uh, criticism of them. But anyway, they also go on to say, it would also be cool if you were to, to do a collaboration with Constantine Kissing, what triggers most people? Um, yeah, what Yeah, what most people get triggered by. Uh, this is a five-star review saying, on fire, you were on fire on this week's uh, news quiz, getting better with age. That you tell my wife that, okay? You know when she has to see me. <laughs> you know, like the middle-aged friends. It takes you two minutes to stand up from your bed. Um, but yeah, luckily I'm getting a bit funnier. I'm do listen to the news quiz since, it, as I've been saying on a couple of things, since it's been hosted by Andy Zaltzman, they've got a fair bit of balance on there, and it is really, really funny. Uh, this is from DJ Lee Z. Yes, yes, great to hear someone who sounds like me on a podcast, a fellow working class background, South Londoner, and of a similar age. Uh, well, thank you, Lee, for that. So those are the the free reviews that we had there, and well, let's see, let's see how this plays out, this Cummins thing, because I wonder. I just wonder if this is going to be a bit like Harry and Meghan on Oprah, whereby it's kind of like, this is your one shot, Dominic. Boom, boom, bam, boom, boom, boom. His arms are sweaty. His forehead's massive and his shirt's far too undone. And he's kind of gone out and he's kind of owned it a little bit. But I wonder, he kind of probably knew that come the inquiry next year, there'll be a lot of people contributing. So this was his one shot. Uh, he went for it. And I think it has made an impact but in the current age of the news cycle, I think what people, what most people are really worried about at the moment, well, certainly what I'm worried about is can I get tables at a pub? Can I get booked at a restaurant? If the Prime Minister can announce an expansion in pub and restaurant capacity, then I think this will all blow over. Yeah.